This country was built on a distinctly American work ethic. But today, work is in trouble. We've outsourced most of our manufacturing to other countries. And with that, we sent away good jobs and diminished our capability to make things. American Giant is a clothing company that's pushing back against this tide. They make a variety of high-quality clothing and activewear, like sweatshirts, jeans, dresses, jackets, and so much more. All made right here in the USA, from growing the cotton to adding the final touches. So when you buy American Giant, you create jobs for seamsters, cutters, and factory workers in towns and cities across the United States. And it's about more than an income. Jobs bring pride, purpose. They stitch people together. If all that sounds good to you, visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order when you use code STAPLE20 at checkout. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com with promo code STAPLE20. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. What's up, fellas? Welcome back to Combos Over Cold Brew with me, your host, Emma Abrahamson. Today, we're talking to one of my favorite follows on TikTok, Jordan McMeans. He is literally a TikTok legend. And he also runs a 229 marathon, which is really impressive. He's only 21 years old. I thought this episode was super fun, so I hope you guys enjoy. Let's get right into it. All right, Jordan, welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you on. To start off, do you want to just give a little bit of background about who you are and what you're about? Sure. So my name is Jordan. I am going to be a senior at Villanova University. I'm studying political science and gender and women's studies, and I'm a biology minor. I'm from Southington, Connecticut. Um, I'm a vegan, and I'm a marathon runner, I'm an activist, I'm all those things and more. Um, I don't know, what else? <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's a pretty good, yeah. you're also a TikTok star, you forgot to mention that. Yeah, that's recent, that was kind of an accident. But. <laughs> uh, okay, so to start off, do you want to just kind of give your background in running, and how you started, how you found the sport, where it's taken you? So I started running when I was, I guess it was kind of a late start. I started in my sophomore year of high school. Um, And what had happened was, so my freshman year at the end of the year, you do like those gym mile runs, which like no one ever wants to do, but I was always like um, an overachiever and everything. So I ran like, I think right under like 530 or something in the gym mile when I was a freshman. And I had literally no running or training experience before that. I'd done, like, other sports. Like, I used to play football, which no one, like, ever believes. But I did play football. And I played baseball. Um, But, yeah. So then that day of the gym mile, it just so happened that 
the assistant cross country coach was like substituting my gym class that day. And so when I finished, he came up to me and he was like, I, do you run? And I was like, no, this was just like my first time. And then he was like, well, you need to join. And so I said, why the heck not? And then my sophomore year of high school, I joined cross country and that's really when things, things started rolling and I've been running ever since. Um, I was like, okay in high school nothing special um I looked at some programs to run in in college I ended up choosing Villanova where I was like one of the only two schools that I couldn't run at and the other one was UConn then I joined the club team there and then I became the president of the club team I just recently stepped down from that position I'm going into my senior year and I'm just going to be a busy bee also there's a pandemic so I was (laughs) like whatever someone else can deal with this and yeah, so now I transition to um, marathon. I'm like a full-time marathon runner now, I guess. I have a coach specific for marathon. Um, but yeah, that's like the, that's like the spark note. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. And I knew that you went to Villanova and I knew that you didn't run for the team. So I was curious because your marathon time is really, really good. It's mm-hmm. two, tw- is it 229.27? Yes, that's correct. Yeah, that is 542 per mile. And that is a very, very legit time. Um, So did you ever think about joining the program? Was that ever an option for you? Because I know you said out of high school, it wasn't. But I mean, running that time is very legit. I know you don't run marathons in college, but yeah, did you ever think about joining the team? But yeah, yeah. So what happened with it was kind of a really my college running experience has been very non-traditional to say the absolute least but (laughs) when I got there freshman year um I did make some pretty notable um performance improvements like I was training a lot faster I was like PRing in the two mile like in workouts and I was kind of thinking in my head I was like I kind of want to um run for this team and the thing about it is that Villanova just has such a good men's team and they're just so talented. But I think what it came down to, like when I talked with the coach, he just didn't like, he didn't need me for anything. So that was like the thing. It was kind of like I, and I was really obsessed with getting on the team, like freshman and sophomore year. And I ran my first half marathon at the end of my freshman year in like one sixteen. And at the time I thought that was like, very fast and I still think that's a respectable time but of course now that's like slower than my marathon pace but at the time in freshman year I thought that was fantastic I like emailed him about it and I was like listen like I ran like 116 and a half like I want to try to come out for the team or if you can just like help train me and the coach there is um, Marcus O'Sullivan I don't know if you've heard of him but he's actually I think he has like the record for most sub four miles like run by one person ever yeah I've definitely heard of him yeah like an Irish superstar and he's just like he has that very like I don't know his energy is just very serious very serious I met with him in his office once and he just has like all of his accomplishments and all these like pictures of people behind him of like all of his sub four milers he's coached and I was just sitting in there and he offered to kind of help me through the summer between my freshman and sophomore year and so I kind of trained kind of um based on like a rough outline of he what he gave me and what he thought would help me become a better runner and then I came back sophomore year and I kind of had the intention of 
trying to come out for cross country and like running something impressive enough to walk on. And then while I was moving in, I was trying to debunk my bunk beds. They were like, they were bunked when we got there and like me and my roommate did not want them bunked. So my mother and I tried to debunk the beds ourselves instead of like calling maintenance or help. And I ended up like, long story short, I fell off the windowsill and broke um, a toe in my left foot and couldn't run for like 10 weeks. Oh my um, god! So, yeah, so that was just a really <laughs> unfortunate, unfortunate event. And then I, back from that injury, I was like grinding on the elliptical constantly. And I came Love back <laughs> and I decided to run a half marathon. I ran the Hartford half marathon. I PR'd by like almost two minutes. And then I think that was when it was in that race and that half marathon that I was like, this is really like what I want to do. Like I want to keep doing road races and road efforts. Um, and I'm not really interested in joining. And so I still talk, I'm, I'm friends or acquaintances with a lot of the guys on the varsity team. Like I know them all. Um, but yeah, just, I'm not really interested in running for them anymore. I haven't been for a while. And it's honestly been a relief to not be thinking about that because I think it was kind of consumed a lot of my freshman year with like thinking about trying to get onto that team. But yeah, so that was a long way of saying it. But <laughs> No, I mean, I find it really, really interesting. And I think a lot of the top marathoners don't run D1. Like they don't, a lot of them come from kind of a background like yours. They just kind of, I mean, you didn't fall into the sport, but a lot of them find themselves like running competitively without even having to go the traditional route. So I think, mm-hmm. I mean, you're a perfect example of someone that did the same thing. So just because you don't run division one athletics doesn't mean that you can't be a good, especially road racer, because when you're running eight K's and 10 K's as a man, as a man in college, it's a lot different than running the marathon. <laughs> so, right. and I'm sure if you joined the team, you wouldn't be running all these marathons. So Exactly. I feel like you did end up making the right decision. Even half marathons, like people aren't running mm-hmm. those if you're running in college yet. So, yeah, like looking back, I'm really happy with what the trajectory has been for my running. I'm really happy with it. Yeah. And it's crazy. You're only 21 and you're already running marathons. How did you just decide to start running marathons? Because I feel like for me, in college, I was like, oh my gosh, there's no way I'm ever going to run a marathon. Mm-hmm. My longest run was like 11 miles. I could never, even coming from my running background, I could never see myself jumping into marathons, especially at 21 years old. So why did you decide right. to do that? So it's kind of like, so as I think it goes back a little bit to my, what my high school coaching style was like, because we were a pretty high mileage program. Like we weren't like crazy, but I had some weeks, um, in high school, even in my junior year, where I was like high 60s to like almost 70 miles in a week. So I think just I had so much like pounding and experience of like kind of like um, a lot of mileage training that it didn't seem that insane to me. And then I really liked the half marathon um, a lot. And if you look at like my, my PRs, like my performance, the longer I get is like insanely more impressive than anything I can do at any short distance so once I did the half and I was like I felt myself like attracted to the full marathon because I was like I just have a feeling that that's gonna like work so much better for me like I think I'm very much someone who the longer I go the better 
I'll be. Like, I really am attracted to the ultra marathon. I really do see myself doing ultra marathons, like, at some Whoa. point in the future. But that's hopefully way off because I still want to run like, <laughs> much faster at the marathon distance before I move to that. But the decision to do the Philly marathon was kind of because I just had so much, not so much time, but I had like ample time to train and fit it into my schedule um, and do the kind of training volume that I thought would be necessary to run like a fast marathon. And I was just worried because I was like, I don't know like what my life is going to look like when I graduate from Villanova. Like, I don't know what kind of time I'm going to have or like what effort I'm going to be able to put into running. So I was like, maybe the time is now to see like what I can do in the marathon as my first marathon. Um, So I ended up, I think I decided like five months before the filling marathon, I was like, you know what, like, I'm just going to do it. Like, what do I have to lose? And so <laughs> I, I signed up and then I trained myself for my first marathon. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, I trained basically independently. I trained myself for it and it went pretty well. So, but yeah. How did you, how did you figure out what to do for your training? Um, I read Jack Daniel's training book. I read that like cover to cover. My high school coach recommended it to me. I read it. So I based it a lot off of that. And then I kind of just went from like my own past experience of like what I thought like worked well for me and mixed with like what I thought I would like need to be able to accomplish to run a fast marathon. I do think I was a bit misguided. Like some of the workouts I did, I don't think I needed to do. But I think (laughs) one time I did like, I was on the track and I did two by three mile and then two by two mile with like a minute and a half rest, like on a track. And looking back, I'm like, that probably wasn't needed. That probably wasn't like needed, but (laughs) the result. I mean, it's all learning experience. So you got to go through things to get better. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And then now you're being coached. How did you find your coach? So, so yeah, that I work at a running camp in, in Vermont, not happening this year, but one of my good friends from camp, her name is um, Megan and she's, qualified for it. she ran this past olympic trials in the marathon she's like a really talented marathoner like i think she's so awesome and cool and amazing but i was kind of chatting with her before the philadelphia marathon kind of asking her for like tips um because she was obviously has run really fast and she was helping me out with it and giving me advice and we talked like all leading up to that marathon I remember running like a half marathon a couple of weeks before and I think I ran like just under 112 and prior to that my goal for the full marathon was like 240 and she emailed me like the day after that half marathon and was like you like need to be targeting faster than that she was like I think that if you have a good day like under 230 should not be a problem for you and honestly I read that email and I'm like this girl is like off a rocker like I cannot run (laughs) under 230 and then somehow some that race just like it stands as like the best race of my entire life and the best I've ever felt in any race um obviously yeah I went right under 230 and then the next day when I was kind of recapping the race with Megan she she said she was like you know like if you want to talk to my coach like I think he would be really interested in like and helping you out and like because you're obviously really talented at the marathon I think you would really excel if you had like more structured coaching and training and I was like yeah like I'll reach out to him and so 
I reached out to him a couple days later. Um, he agreed to like take me on as one of his athletes. And so he's been coaching me remotely um, since, yeah, since last November. Oh, and nice. that's how I found him. And he's been, he sends me like my training plan every week. Um, I've really liked working with him. He's really great. He kind of like ad- adapts the training to whatever I like think I need and what he thinks is best. And it's just been, it's been good. I mean, I haven't, I actually haven't raced since because of everything that's going on. So well, I, yeah, think yeah, yeah. I think I'm better than I was, but <laughs> hard to You can say. feel it usually. <laughs> yeah. Um, what has been the biggest difference in your training with a coach? like versus being on your own because I think it's really admirable to me someone that can train themselves because for me the accountability is the biggest thing I need someone to hold me accountable so for you like what has been the biggest benefit of getting a coach I think it would be that I when I was coaching myself I tended to neglect the things and the training that I did not like want to do or that I didn't like (laughs) doing so for me that was like anything fast so I was doing like literally almost zero actual speed work like I was doing all all my workouts were like either like long intervals or tempos and I just like wouldn't do speed I just kept telling myself I was like I don't need to do speed whatever speed is like not real in the marathon and then (laughs) when he started coaching me he was kind of like well actually yes it is and you're gonna do it and so that was probably the biggest difference and I have felt like I'm so much faster like just in terms of like turnover and leg speed since joining him and he has kind of gotten me to hit paces in workouts that I like did not think were like possible I think I had I was giving myself like much slower interval times than he gave me and I definitely felt like I had a giant um giant fitness jump when he started being like no actually your 1200s need to be like 345 like not 410 and I was like are you serious and he was like yeah (laughs) so (laughs) yeah so like that was probably the biggest thing is kind of just knowing like what the actual like work I need to be putting in to like get the results that I'm kind of expecting and not just kind of like going off of like whatever I kind of feel like that day which is what I was doing like when I was coaching myself I think that was probably good I feel like that's why even the most professional runners have coaches just because everyone needs something different. And most of the time, like doing it on your own, like you said, it's like you neglect the things that you don't really want to do or don't feel like doing. For me, it's accountability. Um, For a lot of people, yeah, it's just like getting out the door and doing it. So that's why coaching, I think, is so important. And just finding a coach that you trust and that you like, it can really make a difference. Mm-hmm. Even if you feel like you have all the knowledge in the world, uh, <laughs> it it just makes a huge difference to have someone that is guiding you through it and someone that is supporting you through the hard times that running brings. <laughs> yeah, right. especially just like the accountability, I think, is something that helps so much. Because I would just like, when you're only accountable to to yourself it's kind of like you'll give yourself like some slack you'll be like ah, well you aren't really feeling like that good today so if you like skip the last two and a half reps of your workout it's like not that big of a deal but like when you have to like explain to your coach why you yeah finish the workout then it's kind of like I don't even want to have to deal with that (laughs) I'm just going to finish the workout I think that's really helped me but yeah exactly and what do you think has been your biggest source of improvement besides for coaching? Like, what have you done on your own that has shown consistent improvement over the years? Uh, that is such a fascinating question. Um, 
you know, I think, I think a lot of my mentality has changed a lot um, from high school to college. I think in high school, I used to get so incredibly stressed. I was so stressed out going into every race, like some races, like, I kid you not, I like was near, like near tears, like starting the race, which is like, I was so scared. And I like every single time I raced, I like wanted to run a PR, which like makes sense. But at the same time in high school, you are literally racing so much, too much, if you ask me looking back. And so I was just, I would get myself so worked (laughs) up and so stressed that like halfway through the race, if I was like, I'm not going to PR, I would just like completely check out. And I feel like I just, my performances were never, I never like felt good about my race. Like it was very rare for me to walk away from a race and like feel like I got anything positive out of it. And I think that's changed a lot. I think in college, I just have a lot more confidence in my training and like my ability and I'm much more excited to race. I I like like racing now. I used to dread it in high school and now I like really look forward to it. And I kind of get on the line and I think to myself, I'm like, you have like done the work, like you are fast, like you can do what you think you can do. And I think that has been probably the biggest thing is trying to keep working on that mindset. And I always, um, it's kind of like weird, but I will like, something that's helped me is I'll look in the mirror like a couple of times a week and just like repeat little things to myself. And I'll be like, I am fast. I am strong. Like I can do it. I can do it. I can do it. And I like repeat it to myself over and over again. And I feel like that really helps. I always suggest that to people. I think that's something that's really helped me is kind of changing my mental approach to racing and training and everything to do with running really. Yeah, definitely. And I think that comes along with growth in the sport. I know so many high schoolers that do the same thing as you. I mean, you're not alone in the fact that you were almost in tears before races. Like I know people that are crying before the race even starts, but people are throwing up because they're so nervous. Mm-hmm. And the amount of times, including myself, like have just given up halfway through when you feel like the race isn't going your way it's just a huge mindset shift that needs to happen. Like you Mm -hmm. said, getting to the line excited is the best thing in the world and it'll really, really affect the outcome of the race. It just, it's so important to, like you said, work on your mentality. And I think that is a really good idea. Just kind of looking at yourself in the mirror, because like how many times do you actually talk to yourself in a mirror? Not that often. Um, I, I, if you've watched my uh, like Oregon vlog, I think it was regionals. Mm -hmm. I literally do this pep talk before every race. Like it, it came off as a joke, but I feel like I, I honestly, I did it. And it was kind of just looking at myself in the mirror, like you said, and being like, okay, you're not going to give up today. Like you're, no, you <laughs> you're not a convince, little wussy. Yeah, exactly. You have to convince yourself that it's true. Like, like, cause if you know that sometimes I'll like look at my workouts and I'm like, yeah, like I, I am in good shape. Like I am a fast runner, but you like don't actually for some reason believe that that's the case. Like I'll like act, I'll be like, I am fast. Like all the numbers show that. And then there's like a voice in my head that's like, actually you're slow and the workouts are a lie. So I think like just just like looking in the mirror and telling that stuff to me has really helped me like believe that I actually like am doing something and I like can race well. But yeah. Yeah. And there's something about looking in the mirror that like it's kind of like gets into your soul. You know, it's a little deeper than yeah. just like saying it out loud. Like looking at yourself in the eyes in the mirror and telling yourself that it it kind of hits different, I will say. Period. I recommend. Period. <laughs> So we're transitioning now 
the reason I found Jordan is because I was scrolling through TikTok, you know, like the millennial I am, not really knowing what's going on. And I come across this guy who is the most positive person and has the most energy about oatmeal that I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> and I was like, oh my gosh, who is this? I re- I resonated with him so much. I would call you, honestly, the oatmeal king of TikTok. Like your oats oh God, and the passion it. that you have for them. It's something that I, I can only aspire to be. So <laughs> how did... Like, when did you start posting on TikTok? Why did you start posting your oatmeal? And just describe the passion that you have for your oatmeal. (laughs) Okay, so I literally have, like, eaten oatmeal forever. Like, I literally made, I've made your zoats, your zucchini oats, like, a thousand times in my life. Um, Literally, that's where it's, that's where this all started. But I started post, literally, okay, so I used to post, like, anything and everything on TikTok. Like, I used to get on every trend. I used to do, like, every dance and I just would get like I don't know a couple hundred views like I didn't care I did not care about TikTok like I never thought that I was going to have any sort of platform on TikTok like I would joke around with my friends I'd be like this is gonna go viral I am so hilarious but then one day I just (laughs) I made a bowl of oats and they just were looking particularly immaculate that day and I was just so excited to eat them and I just caught this moment of me screaming about the oats and then I posted it. And then a couple of days later, I was like, why does this have like over 100,000 views on it? I was like, I don't know what <laughs> is going on. And so then I was like, if that's what the people want. And so then I started doing like, started posting more oats and started put it, posting stuff about my running. And then oh, a couple of my TikToks just started like taking off. And then all of a sudden, I w- it was like 10,000, 20,000, 30,000, 40,000. And I was like, I don't know what's going on. I don't really know what's going on. But I love oatmeal. I'm glad that there's such a group of people out there that are also really passionate about it, which I've learned because I did not know it was such a widespread (laughs) thing. But it's been really fun. Yeah, oatmeal TikTok is a thing. I have found myself on there, obviously. Is that that surprising? No. (laughs) Right now, I'm kind of like, did I invent that? But I don't think so because I think people were doing it before me. But I'm just like, I didn't know it existed before I started doing it. And now my for you page is like half oats, half running, and then like half like whatever's um, hot on TikTok at the moment. Like the I am lost one with the little eyes and mouth. I love those. <laughs> Honestly, same. We probably have a very similar for you page. <laughs> um, what does it feel like to like have a following now? It's so weird for me still. Like I feel like you can probably relate to it. I, I imagine you get recognized like a decent amount whenever you're like in running circles that people like know yeah. who you are like I mean I told the people I'm with at this show I was like I have a podcast with Emma Abrahamson and they were like oh my god no way that's amazing and I was like I know but um, <laughs> <laughs> but I it's I don't know I feel like when I look at the number on TikTok under followers like I just can't even like actually conceive of like them as actual like human beings that like 80 something thousand individual people are following me on this platform like I just can't even like process that how many people that is and the kind of interaction and hype that I get in the comments I'm like this is crazy but it has been really nice because I do feel like all of my followers that I've talked to are like so so kind and so nice and so like 
kind of similar to me. And I'm like, this is awesome. And I love it. Um, although I have been getting recognized like here and there, like in public, which I literally was actually shook the first time it happened. I was like, this cannot be real. Like I had like 40,000 followers at the time. I was three hours away from my home with my friend Ethan on a run. And this girl, I can't remember her name, but she like fully like almost came to a stop in her vehicle, like on the road and was like, she was like, oh my God, Jordan, like I follow you on TikTok. Like, I love your videos so much. And I was like, this has to be fake. And then I talked to her for a couple of minutes and she drove away. And I was like, I cannot believe that people are going to like know who I am. And since then, I probably happened like five or six other times And every single time. It's like the person I can tell the person is like looking at me and I'm like, oh my God, like what is wrong with me? Like, is something on me? Like, I cannot process it until they like say like, I follow you on TikTok. And I'm like, oh my God, thank God. I thought you just like thought I was like hideous and staring at me or something. But yeah. Oh my gosh. I cannot describe like how similar my experience is to that. Um, I remember when I first moved to Atlanta right after college, I walked, it was literally the day I moved there. Granted, I didn't. I didn't know anyone in Atlanta. I didn't know anything. I didn't. I was in some random town. I wasn't even in the city. I was in like a suburb, and I walk into this mod pizza, and the guy that was making the pizza is just staring at me. And I was like, "There's no way that this guy knows who I am." Like, there's just a distinct stare mm-hmm. that I think you kind of like. You can kind of tell if they recognize you a little bit. Yes. And the guy yeah. was giving me that stare. And I was like, there's there's no way that in this random town, me ordering this mod pizza, that this guy watches my YouTube videos. And uh, he's like, what's your name? And I'm like, Emma. He's like, do you have a YouTube channel? I was like, and I was just so shook. I did not know how to react. And I was like, how do I act in this situation? Like, I didn't know what to I know. do. I, I'm it, so awkward. <laughs> I'm so awkward. I like, I want to apologize to everyone that like meets me. I feel like I, I do. <laughs> I feel like I have to like, because I'm like, oh my God, like what if they like all of a sudden like think that I'm like not even like funny anymore. I'm like, what do I do? Like, do I make a joke? I don't know. What to, I don't know how to act. I don't know how to behave. Oh my gosh. Same. I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, hi. Like, it's also like, it's such a unique experience to like have someone that like, really like feels like they know who you are because they watch you but you obviously know nothing about them like you try to like learn about as much as people that you can but like I feel like it's such a weird to like the the sides of the experience are totally different because one person is like I know who this is another person is like this is a completely new face new person and I'm also (laughs) just awkward in general so (laughs) this has like been really new and really fun but everyone I've met has been like so sweet about it yeah, Done. same. Everyone I meet, I'm so excited. I get so excited. It, like makes my day when I meet someone that yeah. watches my stuff. But like you said, it is a it is a funny experience. Like sometimes, especially in anything in the running world, people will just be like, Emma. And I like look and I, they're staring at me and I have no idea who the person is. And I'm just like, and I just feel so awkward. Cause I'm like, what do I do? I don't know what to do. But yeah. I feel like that's just how it is for everyone, I guess. It's just, it's an unusual world, honestly. But it's a fun time. So I'm yeah, glad that it's you're. Happened, yeah. It's happened so fast. Like that's what yeah. it's, it's been like literally in, in early April, I had like less than a hundred followers on TikTok. Oh and my gosh. Really, wow. Yeah, you really blew I, up. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm like, what is it? I don't even know what 
freaking month it is anymore. I can't keep track of anything. The days are just passing me by. But yeah, literally, yeah. it's all of a sudden going from like just my actual friends, like knowing who I am and now like supposedly 80,000 people do. It's crazy. What do your friends think of it? They are, they really like think it's fascinating. I, a lot of people have been like, some of my friends have been like, yeah, we like knew that you would be internet famous one day. And I'm like, I don't know about that, but they <laughs> like, it's fun. Like I try to like, they, I don't know. I don't even know what they really think about it. Honestly, it's been yeah. it's, like fun for all of us though. But yeah. I haven't been around a lot of my friends though, either is the thing. Like it's true. A lot, I spent a lot of the time because I really got invested in TikTok when I was like alone in my home, like not seeing anybody. So I've really only been around like a couple of my friends. I haven't oh, even seen I haven't seen any of my friends from school since I guess that's actually a fib because I was just there like last week. But before that, <laughs> I haven't seen any of my friends from school like since this social media takeoff occurred. So the true test will yeah. come when you're starting to vlog in front of them see yeah, what exactly. their reactions are oh my God, i can't vlog i people keep telling me to do vlogs on youtube i made one youtube vlog and i was like i can't i don't understand vlogging i don't know what to do. why I don't what i don't know what to say <laughs> yeah it is it is quite awkward it's just awkward when you're it's it's one thing to do like 10 second little clips but then it's another thing to like just talk for a couple minutes to a camera like it just it's a weird experience honestly it, it took me a long time to get used to it i don't know but you should keep doing it Especially if TikTok goes down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Don't even get me started with that. I can't even think about that. I'm being an optimist. I really hope it doesn't. But kind of I hope it does because the time of day, like the amount of time I would have in the day would increase dramatically. That's under repulsive amount of time on TikTok. It's like not even okay. Yeah, it's literally disgusting, Sam. (laughs) (laughs) I would say you're one of the biggest like motivational runners on TikTok what do you find that motivates you to like keep posting motivational things for others? Because I know it can take like a lot out of you when you're feeling like obligated to create content, but just like posting, helping others motivate you to do that or what kind of motivates you to keep posting on TikTok? Yeah, I think that you, that is a really, that's a hard question because I feel like I have, I really am, a motivated person like to run like I really do love to run and all of that is like very genuine but I've tried to like I mean even recently I've tried like on one of my last like TikTok videos I was like I did not feel good on my run today like at all because I think a lot of people are trying to get the impression that like just every day I wake up and I'm like excited to run and I like have a perfect run every day and I'm just like that is not the case. I'm like, it's the case a lot, but it's just not, that's not like the reality of like my everyday life. But I, I've gotten, I felt it's so rewarding when people have like commented on my TikTok or like DM'd me on Instagram or through whatever means and just said like, you've really like helped me like find my love for running again. Like you really helped me get out the door today. Or like I started training for a marathon because of you. And I find that so rewarding just because I love running so much and I love the running community so much I just think that's what's been motivating me to keep making motivational stuff and trying to although I don't even I didn't even really see it as motivational at first I kind of just think that I'm like really hyper and excited about everything in my life that just like motivates people to also be that way but I didn't even like know I was doing motivational 
content and so everyone was like this is so motivational and I was like yeah I guess it is the other element of it is that I when I'm on my runs now I kind of and I'm like not feeling good or I'm like this is not like a good day for me I start thinking about like all those people that have like said that like what I do like motivates them to run and I'm like well then I need to like I need to like keep myself accountable and like keep putting in that effort because people are like looking at me and using me as like an example I don't know it's kind of like a reverse it kind of works both ways like I motivate them and then the people that like feel motivated by me like motivate me to like keep doing what I'm doing and keep running and keep training and doing my miles but yeah yeah I mean I feel the exact same way it it definitely goes both ways and like you said it I didn't really see myself, especially when I was like in college, I didn't see really my content as motivating at all. I kind of was just documenting my day, but I would get messages of people being like, oh my gosh, like this helped me start running. This like made running fun for me or or messages like that. And I was like, whoa, just, I don't know. And that's kind of what Mm -hmm. has kept me going. Like, even though I've taken quite a few breaks from running, I think just documenting like life experiences I think is really helpful for other people because I mean we're all going through similar things a lot of the time so I think just watching other people go through the similar things as you especially in running I think it's just really powerful so I'm always excited to see like new content creators like you on the platforms and I know there's like a lot of running youtubers that are coming up in the scene and I think it's really exciting just to I don't know, just start sharing more about the running world. It's fun. Yes, I love it. Um, Do you see yourself like doing content creation full time or what do you want to get into career wise when you graduate? So, you know, this whole content creation thing was never really, (laughs) never really something (laughs) that I saw myself being involved in. I really feel like I really do love TikTok. I love that medium specifically. Um, YouTube, I'm like working on it. I, I plan to continue to build um, my platforms that I have, but I actually am on a pre-law track right now. So I actually am in the process of like applying to law schools. So that is the next step for me is going to law school after I graduate from Villanova. Um, oh. So right now, like, it doesn't look like um, content creation will be a full time situation for me. <laughs> but very different. Try, yeah, I definitely want to keep keep doing it in any like in any way that I can. But yeah, I'm like, I just took my law school admissions test like a couple weeks ago. Still waiting for the result from that. Um, but yeah, so that's the plan is to go is to continue in law school and continue running, and I'll obviously try to do as much. Um, social media stuff as I can because I really do love social media like I I'm like sometimes I'm like maybe I love it a little bit too much but I have a real yeah I really I really love it I want to keep doing it but what area of law are you going into do you know I don't really know how law stuff works to be honest yeah so you have basically have to take like and mostly you have to take um classes and basically all of the basic areas and then you kind of specialize um but right now I think I'm most I'm most interested and most passionate about like um, civil rights and public policy work. That's like what I feel most passionate about. Um, but yeah, that's where I see myself going oh, as nice. of right now. Nice. And how did you kind of discover your passion for that outside of, I mean, running came to you in high school. Like, was that something that you were also interested in high school and passionate about? 
Um, so, okay, so I went into college as a pre-med biology major. And Whoa. yeah, I was like upset. I wanted to be a doctor since I was in like seventh grade. And now, I mean, in hindsight, I'm like, perhaps I never wanted to be a doctor and I just liked the idea of it. But in early college, I started to just learn um, that it wasn't really going to be for me. I think a lot of my peers that were also pre-med, they kind of were like, I could tell that they really loved science. And I was like, I don't, I don't want to. And like the idea of going to another four-year school that would be 90% science, like made me want to like, I don't even know, quit school forever and never come (laughs) back. So I was like, I need a change. And I think I became particularly passionate about civil rights work and government work. Um, I'd say it was probably catalyzed by mainly by the 2016 um, presidential election. I think that was a big eye opener for a lot of, for a lot of people. Um, Particularly me, I just felt like really passionate about that election cycle. And I kind of wanted to get into politics after that I think it was just something that I was reading about every day and something that I was really um fascinated with and like wanted to learn more about and so I switched to political science um the second semester of my sophomore year and I remember signing that paper to switch majors I walked out of that building and I felt like a weight had been lifted off my chest and I was like so excited um and I love that decision that I've made and I've also been the other part of that is I was working, so I was part of the sophomore service learning community at Villanova, which was basically you took a course that was like social justice um, oriented, and then you would serve at a service site three hours a week, and then you had a one hour um, kind of like discussion based class. And I started out by working at a very underfunded school in the city of Philadelphia. And I think I gained so much perspective because I'm from like a pretty well-off suburb in the middle of Connecticut. And so just going and working at an elementary school in like um, a not very nice part of Philadelphia and like seeing like that difference in the learning experience and in the classroom environment and everything else um, was really like eye-opening for me. And I just felt really passionate about kind of getting into it and seeing like what what can be done to like make it make it better and then that was only and then I the next year I worked at a nonprofit called Sisters Returning Home that I still um have some ties to and it was which is a nonprofit organization that helps women that have recently been released from prison like reorient into society and like find places to live and places to work and then just like talking with these women and the things that they've had to like go through in their lives and things that how they ended up in jail or out of jail or whatever the case may be and just seeing how difficult their lives have been like because of largely because of the way that government operates and the way civil rights laws operate and the way in the state of race relations in America has kind of made those situations the way they are that's kind of like what made me really passionate about getting into it that was like a chaotically long answer that took so many different directions but 
No, I mean, that was great. Yeah. And I think it just shows like, just because you go into college with a specific thing in mind, doesn't mean that you have to stick with it. I mean, I feel like people grow a lot in college. Clearly you have, and you found new interests and a newfound passion for politics. And I think it's really cool that you're, that you decided to change your path despite what, like, I don't know, maybe that you went into it thinking that you wanted to be a doctor, just kind of having the courage to change your mind and focus on Mm -hmm. something that you're passionate about. And I think, I don't know, I think that's a good way to live life. So I feel like you made the right decision and it'll be an exciting future for you moving forward. We hope, we hope. So I, I really want to talk about your experience being openly gay in the competitive running world, because I, I have friends like, Nikki Hilt and Teresa Heiss. Who I have, yeah, I, I've had them both on the podcast, but I'm curious to what your experience has been like as an openly gay male, because I haven't really talked to anyone about it. So I think it'd mm-hmm. be insightful to hear from you what that's been like in the running world. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I think, you know, I had more issues with it. In, in high school, I think I just wasn't really comfortable with myself. And so like anything that anyone said to me I found like hurtful just because I wasn't really like comfortable with myself and I didn't like that I was gay I didn't like that about myself at the time but I remember in high school there was like a couple different incidences that like occurred at meets where people would say like different things to me about being gay and like making fun of me for it and I never really cared like that much um and I have something that I actually wrote about I've been writing about this in my um, law school application essay a little bit um, is that I definitely found in high school especially that like I had to like constantly or at least I felt like I had to constantly be proving that like I was a good athlete and I kind of felt like members of my team would like overlook me um, and think that I wasn't as good as them be like because I was gay because like there was no other like reason that like came to mind like um, that like made sense or there was like, I remember there was a couple of times on my team that people were like mad or they were like upset because they got, had gotten beaten by a gay athlete, which is just like completely absurd, obviously. But um, the faster I got, I think, and the more competitive I was and like um, the more I leaned into the sport, I feel like the more respect I got from like my teammates um, in high school. Um, and then in college, I think there was definitely a significant shift in my experience with being a gay athlete because I felt like for whatever reason my college experience was much more I feel like open to um LGBTQ plus people and then to the point where I became the president of the club and then once I became the president of the club team I felt like much more um comfortable with everything because I was like now I'm kind of like setting the tone for the club itself like it is like in a lot of ways my club so I was like I can obviously like be whoever I want and I tried to like create a space um in that club where everyone feels like that's the case like it doesn't matter if you're gay straight bi lesbian whatever the heck because like no one cares and that's not gonna impact how you're able to interact with the team and etc and then I think on my in my online presence I've been trying to do the same as trying to show that there are like gay athletes like I feel like a lot of sports get like hyper masculinized and I think even 
women are a lot of times aren't looked at as like real athletes in the way that they should. And I think that also applies to like men like myself that like, I don't know, maybe are act traditionally more feminine than other men. Um, but yeah, so I've tried to like, it's definitely been a big growing experience, but I think in college, like now being gay is not something that I'm self-conscious about at all. And it's something that I actually quite like about myself. So now, like if I ever encounter a person that is like, has a problem with me being gay, I'm kind of like, that's your problem. And I honestly could not care less because that's not something that bothers me. So like literally there's nothing anyone could say about my sexuality that would like actually upset me anymore. And I think that's like the biggest, that's been the biggest thing that I've had to learn or had to deal with is just kind of like coming to that accepting place with yourself. Because once you like, you're like, I like that I'm gay. If someone says like, you're gay as an insult, you're kind of like, okay, well, that kind of like missed the mark. Like, tell me something that I don't know. But yeah, I don't know what else to add but that. Um, Yeah, no, that's awesome. And I think, I think going to college, you just kind of encounter a lot more diversity just in general. I mean, I know I did. I grew up in a very white suburb, I would say well-off area. So I think Mm -hmm. college kind of opened my eyes to even like going to Oregon, just like a more liberal viewpoint. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. I feel like in college people, including myself, are just, you're just a lot more open to expressing yourself however you want. I don't know. There just wasn't as much yeah. pressure to like fit into a certain mold this way or that way. And also I think people like you and people like Nikki who are so vocal about being openly gay in the running world, it just I think it makes a huge difference moving forward especially and for people that are younger who may have felt like you did back in high school. I think having people like you is really, really going to help them in the future, just being confident in their sexuality at an earlier age. Yeah, what I would add is sometimes I've had like moments even still now where I'm like, when I'm going to like a new place where I don't think I'm going to know a lot of people or I'm going to be around like a lot of new people, I'll be like, I'll have like this little voice in my head that's like, maybe you should like tone it down a little bit. Like maybe like don't act like so gay or like dress so gay or like whatever. And then I always just remember, I'm like, I need to. Like, I think it's so important that like, so other people can see that like you can be openly gay and you can do whatever you want. And I think it's like really important to like have visible people that are gay. And all I mean, all aspects of the LGBTQ plus community, of course, just having visible people like in the running world and just in life in general so that more people can feel like that's I don't know, I'm using air quotes, like normal or accepted or et cetera. But yeah. Yeah, exactly. I, I was looking on your Twitter and you are very outspoken, oh, which I, oh, which yeah, I, I'm very loud on Twitter. <laughs> I absolutely yeah. love it. Um, I, I quoted some of the tweets, uh, for this podcast and I want to have you oh, explain God, them a little bit. Okay. They're, uh, they're pretty lighthearted. Don't worry. Uh, okay, okay. So one of them that I came across was I eat cough drops as candy and I'm not going to hide it anymore. Can you yeah. explain that one a little bit? I'm that's actually psychotic of me, but I do. I think I literally, I haven't in a while because I don't have many cough drops, but like my dad just bought like this giant thing of cough drops when COVID started happening. None of us had it, but he just had this giant thing of cough drops. And I just kept finding myself like walking past the cough drop bag and like 
eating one. And then my parents were getting upset with me. They're like, that's not candy, Jordan. And I was like, well, it tastes really good and I like it. <laughs> and so I was, I was eating like a lot a day. And then I read the bag and they were like, you should really only have like three or four of these in 24 hours. And I was like, okay, well, I'll tone it down. And so I really haven't been eating them like that anymore. But yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the far as I can explain. <laughs> I like how they bought cough drops, like cough drops cure coronavirus. Yeah, like preemptively. (laughs) And like no one really, I think we still have a ton. Yeah. Okay, here's another one. I like my cereal soggy, okay? I admit it. Hate me if you want. Hashtag this is me. That, honestly, I was repulsed by that one. Um, I know. I literally said said it on my TikTok too. I think you commented. Oh, yeah. Probably did because it triggers me so much. Why do you like your cereal soggy? That's gross. I can't even like, I just don't, I just don't find it gross is what it comes down to. I think it's so much better that way. I think it reminds me more of my, of my oatmeal when I have it soggy. I like, I like will wait for it to get soggy. I'm going to sound like such a psychopath, but what? I literally, Cereal. I, I used to, okay. So I'm really into, I loved special K. Special K was like my favorite. And then I eat honey oats a lot. <laughs> and I, <laughs> no, Emma, you're, tier list of cereals I literally was triggered I was so <laughs> triggered I was so mad <laughs> but yeah I'm like a honey bunch of the boats fan um so is everyone, everyone else in this world yeah, except for everyone, me apparently everyone tries to come for me for that because it's not be- technically vegan and I'm like you know what I'm like I have to give myself some slack I'm like that is my favorite cereal whatever but yeah that's my go-to yeah. nice and then the last one I wrote down was Eating grapefruit is self-harm. Reach out to your friends who are doing this. And then you also okay. followed it up. You followed it up with, you have to put sugar on this fruit to make it edible. That is completely counterintuitive to the purpose of a fruit. How did that come about? Were you eating a grapefruit? I hate grapefruit. So I agree with okay, you on good. this. We're on the same page. I stand by that completely. And I it's funny because I just had this very similar discussion with a this girl from Villanova and she was eating a grapefruit. And I was like, the grapefruit does not want to be eaten. When you eat a grapefruit, it tastes poisonous. It fights back. It, it doesn't does. want to be consumed. Like when you, I <laughs> feel like any, any yes, I feel like any other animal would be like, "This is poisonous. I need to stop eating it." But we're just like, we're gonna add sugar and plow through. I hate it. I hate everything about the grapefruit. <laughs> okay, honestly, that, me too. It's disgusting. It's like a lemon. Why would you want to like eat that straight know. up with a spoon? I don't know what like in- incentivized me that day to tweet that, but I'm very passionate about my distaste for anything grapefruit. Yeah, no offense, but like if I ever see anyone eating grapefruit, I'm like, what on earth are you doing? That's my first <laughs> thought. Um, I'm savage, I guess, but... Yep, those were good tweets. Those were funny tweets. I was afraid you were going to like make me explain something like really, really intense. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> I don't really do that on this podcast. Um, to close out the episode, I think this this has been such a fun episode. I'm really glad I had you on. But mm-hmm. to close out, do you have a quote that you live by? I feel like you're, you'd be someone that has quotes pinned up on their wall. and You say it to yourself in the mirror every morning. Yeah, I do like I do like quotes because you, I think when you told me they were like, maybe for her quote, I was like, I don't need to prepare. I have so many quotes that come to mind. Um, I, my first one, I somehow have this. I mean, okay. So first of all, I end all of my TikToks by, with like either captioning or saying like, eat well, run fast, 
be happy. And I kind of said that on accident and then it stuck. Um, so that's something that um, I remind myself of, I remind my followers of all the time. But I also really like, it's a Maya Angelou quote and it's kind of like, um, still I rise, just like that little little fragment of one of her poems. I just find that poem so insightful and so motivational like whatever life throws at you like you'll be fine like you will keep plowing right on through um and also for some reason I don't know why these three words like stick in my mind but relentless forward progress is literally the title of like a book written by an ultra marathoner whose name I can't remember right now but for some reason, like I just, that speaks to me in so many different areas of my life. Like I always think about that, like in running, in academics, just like in life in general, just like moving forward in all the ways that you can, um, just like relentlessly, just no matter what, just keep on pressing on. Um, that's like, that was like three, but yeah, yeah. those are ones that come to mind um, that speak to me the most, but awesome. yeah. Okay, to close out this episode, can we get a good old peace out, fellas, for the podcast? But of course, peace out, fellas. <laughs> Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of Combos Over Cold Brew. It was a little bit longer this time, but I could seriously talk to Jordan for hours. I feel like he just had some great insight, and I just really like his vibe. I really like his personality. So make sure to follow him on Instagram and TikTok. It's just at Jordan McMeans. He has some great content, especially on TikTok, I will say. So go check him out. This week's supporter shout out goes to Emily. Emily, my girl, thank you for supporting the podcast. I shout out one of my supporters every single week and it's super easy to go and support. If you go to anchor.fm slash combos over cold brew, you can click the support button and just make a monthly donation. It really, really helps out the podcast. Another thing that really, really helps the podcast is if you listen on an Apple podcast, rating and reviewing, it helps spread the word a lot. And it just means a lot to me to hear you guys' feedback. So thank you guys so much for listening. And I will hear from you guys in the next one. Peace out, fellas. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.